On this week's episode of 88 Problems of Sports A1 podcast, presented by TheOhioSportsBlog.com, we bring in special guest Jeremy Powell, co-host of the podcast Orange is Oranger, to break down the Browns' victory over the New York Jets, Baker Mayfield, the defense, what it means going forward, and the excitement that was in the stadium on Thursday night. Charles and I also break down the Ohio State victory 49-6 over the Tulane Green Wave in their final tune-up before they get into the meat of their Big Ten schedule in Penn State this Saturday in a whiteout in Happy Valley in prime time. Also, Trevor Bauer started on Friday uh, for the Indians coming off a leg injury, and the Indians are getting ready to start the playoffs in a week. So it's an exciting time to be a Cleveland fan, to be in the state of Ohio, and let's go. 88 Problems of Sports A1 podcast is brought to you by NCSD Apparel. They can be found on Twitter at NCSD underscore apparel. They were established this year in 2018. They make t-shirts from the 330. Represent Northeast Ohio everywhere you go with shirts from NC Sports Design. You can shop now at ncsportsdesign.com. They have a promo code NCSD new at checkout. Get 20% off your purchase for any new followers. That's NCSD new at checkout to get 20% off your purchase if you're a new follower. They have a great new shirt. Go to their Twitter site right now. They have a shirt. They have a Muni Lot shirt. I'm ordering this thing, getting 20% off right when we're done by entering the code N-C-S-D-N-E-W at checkout. We're here breaking down the Browns game. The Browns are winners after 600 and some odd days of not winning a game. The Browns are winners at home against the Jets. Uh, we're here with Jeremy Powell and Charles uh, to break it down. Guys, um, go ahead. I mean, it's the city's still buzz with the game, but go ahead and start with what your thoughts on the game. Well, it was unbelievable, man. You know, as a guy who sat through so many losses, I think it was really special to end the losing streak the way we did. With Baker coming in and the game were behind, the place was electric. The, the city wanted a win so bad. The fact that we were able to get the win in that kind of situation, in that kind of scenario at home, was just awesome. And, you know, Baker, who I'll be the first to admit I didn't want, and he's really shutting me up and proving me wrong, came in, and it was like a whole different offense. You know, dart after dart after dart. It was just incredible how stagnant and horrible the offense looked with Tyrod Taylor. And it's like – Baker came in and just brought the energy to the city, the team. It was just – it was an incredible atmosphere. And, you know, the defense – I think the Browns' defense already is probably a top 10, maybe even top five defense in the league. So, if Baker Mayfield continues to play like that, who knows what's going to happen going forward. So, it's an exciting time to be a Browns fan for sure. Yeah, you know, I completely agree with you there, um, Jeremy. I was – I'm also um, a guy who did not want Baker. I very much wanted Sam Darnold. So, when we drafted Baker, I was – I was hands down one of the maddest probably Browns fans out there. And, you know, to see him do that and to shut me up, you know, like you said, he shut you up, you know, it's, it's just amazing. I mean, he completely energized the team. I mean, you saw it. The fan base was chanting for him that night. I mean, to, I couldn't imagine actually being at that game live, but watching that on TV, watching Baker come in and do that. 
And as crappy as the offense has been with Tyrod, it just proves my point because um, Charlie and I have both, both been saying for the past two weeks that the Browns would be – the Browns would have been 2-0 coming into this game had Baker played. I mean, I've said – I've also said that, you know, Ty, the, the offense with Tyrod, you know, Tyrod has good mobility, but he doesn't have escapability. And that's what Baker brings to this – brings to the um, pocket that um, Tyrod doesn't. Um, he has the ability to escape sacks. Tyrod was just taking too many sacks. You know, he was playing lackadaisical. Uh, underthrowing guys, and you know, he just the team just did not play behind him. Sure, let me jump in real quick. You know, that's part of the thing with Baker. He may not have the great measurables, but you can just feel he has the pocket presence to get you know to step up in the pocket to get around the pocket. He may not be able to outrun anybody, but just remember the play that Duke Johnson on the third and five, where he was like Houdini escaped the pocket. Then he had to double clutch because Duke fell down. And he got the ball out to Tyrod never would have had the patience to let that develop. He would have tried to run and get the, get the first with his legs. So, you know, Baker has arm strength. That's even surprised even me. He obviously is seeing the field. Well, the way he's anticipating those throws is unbelievable. He puts the ball right where it has to be. Um, You know, I'm still a little concerned about his height, but obviously it's not affecting him right now. We'll see how it goes going forward, but man, it is something, it was something to see. And yeah, you're talking about, you couldn't imagine being there. Being there was unbelievable. I sit in the front row of the club level, second level, front row. The stadium was literally swaying. I'd only ever felt it that. I've been almost every game since they've been back. I've been Since 2001, I've been to 90% of the home games. And I've done that horrible walk back across the bridge over to the West 6th area so many times. And it's the worst feeling in the world. It was incredible this week. Everybody stayed. So the, the bridge was completely packed. It took a half an hour to walk over the bridge to the west side of Cleveland. And everybody chanting Baker, Mayfield, or here we go, Brownies. It was an unbelievable feeling. And I think this is only the point about the Browns being 2-0. We can't say that for sure. We don't know how Baker plays in a sloppy field in that first game. You know, that was horrible conditions. I can't say for sure. But who cares? Going forward, we're 1-1-1. and You know, a lot of NFL teams now break the game in the, this season into four four-game seasons. So if we can come out of that first four games with a 2-1-1 one, one record, I don't think anyone could be upset about that. Then we move on to the part two of the season. So, you know, right now I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to worry about if we would have won those first two games now, Baker. We're going to go forward. We're still in the midst of things. Uh, the Bengals are about to lose. So we're still in the midst of things here in the AFC North. Let's just go forward and see where it goes from here. Finally, we have a, you know, every other year I always joke that our season's over by freaking October. This yeah. year, we have, we have a reason to keep watching and to have fun. Could you imagine if we win that Oakland game coming up here, coming back home against the Ravens, what it's going to be like in the muni lot and in the stadium? Uh, so I, we have a reason to look forward. Oh, I completely agree with you. I mean, as a Browns fan, I've been watching. I grew up with this team as, as, as them coming back in the league. So the only thing I've witnessed sure. is, is losing. Um, Absolutely. So to, to see what they did Thursday night, and to see what's happening with this team right now, and like you were saying with the defense that it's at eight, top ten and could be easily top five, um, you know, it, it, it's amazing to see how far that we have come and what John Dorsey has done as a GM sure. to bring in the guys that he's brought in to turn this team around so quickly. I mean, right. it, it, you know, it seems like we finally have a GM. Um, I'm Honestly, I think I, I'm willing to give Hugh a shot if we can keep um, playing like we did Thursday night. Sure, and absolutely. And I probably owe Greg Williams an apology. You know, I got on him a lot last year, even though the defense's numbers weren't terrible. 
you know, we all got them about playing the safeties deep. Well, look how much better that secondary looks. Remember last year, it didn't matter what tight end we were playing. On fantasy, I always attempted to get the tight end playing the Browns, no matter how bad he was, because they always lit us up. This year, we're, tight ends aren't lighting us up. If you watch football today, you see the shootout going on with New Orleans. New Orleans can score at will on apparently everybody but us. The secondary is unbelievably improved. It's an entire new cast of characters in the secondary. It's, you know, it's just been unbelievable to see how much better the back end of that defense looks. I mean, to, to switch 31 players in one year, almost 60% of the roster in one year, and to have it start to come together this fast, it's pretty incredible, man. And it's fun to watch. I think you got, look at John Dorsey. He's built the Kansas City Chiefs to look like a dang juggernaut right now. And he's built this Browns team that looks like it might be, you know, something to be reckoned with going forward. I'll tell you what, Kansas City's offense looks great, but their defense looks like an absolute joke without John Dorsey there. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, <laughs> but if they're going to be play, they're playing college football. It looks like they're playing – I tweeted this earlier. It looks like Kansas City's playing college offense in the NFL. I saw I that. Mean, I saw that. I got a kick out of that. <laughs> scoring at will I mean, almost, man. Patrick it's crazy. Patrick Mahomes is – crazy good i mean you know and it just it it does prove that you know sitting a year does help but i think in baker's situation i don't think it was warranted because the kid was uh a a three-year starter if you include his freshman season at texas tech um two two years at baker or two years at oklahoma um but what you were saying about the secondary you know um people let's let's go with the denzel ward pick Fourth overall, I, I I can tell you, I'm a huge Ohio State fan. So I was ha- as happy as anybody when we when we finally drafted an Ohio State player, and it and it happened to be Denzel Ward because we need a cornerback so bad. Um, like you were saying, we just we got beat by everybody last year, especially tight ends. Tight ends killed us, and you know what? Our, yep. sec- our secondary is locking down. Like Jarrell Pe- Jarrell Peppers, I think he's got some potential. Um, we got a guy like. Demarius Randall to play the free safety spot. So Drapo Peppers can sit back and do his thing and, you know, be that in the box safety. And then Denzel Ward is locking down guys. I mean, um, Antonio Brown, nine receptions for 93 yards and a touchdown against Denzel Ward. Any other, that would have been any other corner, you know, Antonio Brown would have absolutely destroyed them. But Denzel Ward plays physical, he plays Look, tough, yep. and he's a ball hog. You want to talk about baptism by fire. How about your first two NFL games, Antonio Brown and Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas becoming one of the best players in the league. You come into the league like that and have three takeaways in your first three games playing against some of the best receivers in the league. You know, Robbie Anderson on the Jets is a guy I like as an up-and-comer. I don't, he didn't do anything except get stripped by Denzel Ward. Let me go back to the Demarius Randall thing. How about the – how good does John Dorsey look moving Demarius Randall back to safety after he would kind of flamed out as a first-round pick as a corner – that you know, Elliot Wolf and High and Alonzo Highsmith were part of drafting him as a free safety. Um, so they 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 knew what they were getting. They bring him back and look how great he's looked. He's been absolutely fantastic. Doing, and he's been playing with a bum knee. So it's just it's and, and then ultimately I think when we really turn this thing around things though, get in Jarvis Landry to commit long term. Okay. Jarvis Landry has been unbelievable. He's on pace for fourteen hundred and seventy two yards. Everybody talked about his yards per catch. Well, guess what? He's averaging fourteen yards per catch right now. And then drafting Baker Mayfield. If this whole thing turns around, I think those are the two moves we'll look back to. You know, Jarvis Landry's worth as amazing as he's been on the field, is even more off the field. We all remember his you know, it's contagious rant on hard knocks. But it's just when you see a guy who's been a pro bowler three times, 
who's, you know, the all-time NFL receptions leader for the first three years of his career, out there killing it every single day, his words carry weight. When you see a guy working that hard every day who's already been a pro bowler, that carries weight. And that's the kind of attitude we have not had. When's the last time we had a guy like that? Joe Thomas, you know, one of the greatest of all time, yes, but he was not that guy, you know, that, like Landry. And now we got a leader like that. We got a guy like Baker May filled with some swag and some leadership. I'm telling you, man, I haven't been this excited in years, maybe probably since 07. It's fun. It's exciting. I can't wait till next week. Yeah. You know, with uh, Jarvis Landry, I do believe he signed a contract extension, right? Um, right. Yeah, that's what I mean. They didn't, they, they didn't do the trade. They had to talk with his agent before they traded. He's yeah, locked yeah. in. He's locked up. He's here for the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Charlie and I got in an argument with uh, Anthony Lima on Twitter the other day because he was, listing, um, he was um, listing receivers, you know, that he would rather have over Jarvis Landry. And one of them was Tyreek Hill. And you know what? I love Tyreek Hill, but I honestly think, think he's more of a trick pony than he is a number one receiver because he relies so much on the big play. And whereas a guy like Jarvis, who, like you said, provides that leadership, is a guy who's constantly moving the sticks. He plays tough. He, um, you know, he's got the NFL record for the most receptions um, in your first three seasons of, of the league. Tyreek Hill isn't doing that. I mean, any of those other guys that he listed, I would take over Jarvis. But I'm not going to take Tyreek Hill over Jarvis just because of what he gets to this team. I mean, he epitomizes what Cleveland is. Um, yes. And he's brought he's brought that attitude to the rest of the team. I mean, it's infectious, you know, and yeah, they're, they're, they're it's, all, con- it's contagious. Yeah, it's contagious. There, there you go. It's <laughs> contagious. Exactly. And, you know, like you like you said in his speech where he was talking about how that stuff doesn't live here anymore. You know, I, exactly. I think that's where he got where every Cleveland fan was like, I love you, Jarvis Landry. And like now you you see bless him on Twitter all the time now. Yep. Yeah, he's a leader, man. He's he's exact exactly what we needed. Jeremy, exactly. to, your, to your point, yes, um, Landry scored a, or signed a five year, seventy five million dollar contract. So Baker Mayfield is going to have his number one guy coming with him for the next five years, which is going to be humongous for his uh, development. Look at it, and look how things are setting up. It almost reminds me of how Seattle was when Russell Wilson first took over as the starter, because we have so much money. One thing that people don't understand about the NFL salary cap, the Browns last year actually spent as much as anybody, but you can roll your money over. Not every team rolls their money over, but the Browns ownership was willing to roll the money over, so they still have that money available. So that's why the Browns right now, with all, with, you know, it, and if Baker does pan out, which we think he will, they're going to have so much money to spend the next few years to surround him with talent. Yeah, in four or five years when it's time for Baker's big contract, we'll have to worry about it. But for the next five years, we can load up around him. So our window actually starts probably next year. And with the Ravens getting old, you know, the, the Steelers getting old and then all kinds of turnover, um, the Bengals getting up there in age, they're not getting any younger. This is our time. And right now, between next year and four years from now, until Baker, it's time to give Baker his big money is a time where we can really load up this roster and be, you know, have a Rams slash Seahawks style roster. So I'm pumped about it, man. You're 100% yeah. right on that because – the NFL, the way it's set up now with these quarterbacks, if they're any good, are getting $100 million down the road. So you have to right. hit on that number one draft pick quarterback exactly. so you can build around him and build the team around him until you have to start letting guys go because you have to give your quarterback $100 million. But and another yep. guy we haven't mentioned who's been unbelievable this year, Miles Garrett's already got four sacks in three games. Absolutely. Um, this guy, I mean, he is a bona fide – Top three pass rusher in the league. And let me tell you this. 
Larry Ogunjobi has has benefited greatly. Larry Ogunjobi's great game against the Saints, if you watch the tape, came because they were even doubling with guards sometimes on Garrett. So he's going one up with the center. They're trying to chip him with running backs. So when you have to game plan for a guy like Garrett, that makes everybody else's job easier. I can't remember the last time the Browns – I mean, in my lifetime, they've never had a talent like Garrett. But now you have a talent like Garrett. You have a young guy like Jannard Avery. You got Denzel Ward, Peppers. You got playmakers all over the defense now. And you know what? You know, all they were lacking before last week was confidence. Their confidence has to be sky high now. So if Baker can perform even close to how he performed last week, you know, it's going to be a fun fun year, guys. It's going to be a fun year going forward here. Yeah, and like you were saying with Ogan Joby, I mean, Miles Garrett was out of that game against the Saints, and Ogan Joby was a big reason why our defense was still able to make yep. a lot of stops on the, you, well, against exactly. the Saints. If you watch the film, though, they had they they were doubling him with guards and tackles, and he was still and getting through chipping him. And, and, but I'm saying with Garrett oh, and chipping Garrett. him, so yeah. that left Ogunjobi one on one. And Ogunjobi is such a strong, powerful young guy. You can't you can't block him one on one consistently. Or you exactly what's going to happen? Happen. He should have had three sacks if it wasn't for a ticky tack, um, you know, uh, illegal contact in the defensive backfield. He would have had three sacks. Yeah. So hey, guys, real quick, let me tell you. Speaking of the. Uh, shootout going on Atlanta New Orleans just tied it up 37 37 with 20 seconds to go in the game that's insane <laughs> Unbelievable. that's insane that game, has been, that game has been insane this the entire second half there's been like nine lead changes now and two ties and you know incredible to, to, to see something like that and to see how we held them to 21 points just makes right. you think that this defense is has the potential to be a Super Bowl sure. defense and we've um, played we've played the last two weeks without arguably our best defensive player Christian Kirksey He'll be back next week. Yes. Breaking news. Breaking news, by the way. Yeah. Kirko told Mary Kay or told Daryl Ryder he's playing next week. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter so, right before we came yeah. on, and I was going to ask you about that. So, yeah, uh, so. Kirko coming back is a huge, uh, huge, huge, huge for this defense. Um, Jamie, Col- yep. Jamie Collins is looking pretty good, too, this yeah. year. Um, and you got Jannard Avery. You got Joe Schobert. You know what it does? It gives us a lot of depth to keep guys fresh and, mm-hmm. and to absorb if there's another injury. You yeah, Jannard Avery, and you know Jannard Avery, the thing I, I think was overlooked last week. He made a, a great play in pass coverage on a third down to knock a ball away. So he's not just a pass rusher. This guy can play. I saw him on a couple plays, turn plays back in when he had contain on the outside. This guy is a player, man. He looks like James Harrison physically. Yeah, I, I've had a, I've had a man crush on this guy since early in camp. Oh I'm my god, you, this guy, I'm this with guy you. is the real this guy is the real deal, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, he was an absolute steal late in the draft, and you got to have those. Yeah, fifth I mean, round, we, yes. The Browns have not had that, and you know, for years in the draft, right. and you know, we finally got a guy who's a great talent evaluator. They called him a football guy, and you know what? Right. But you know what? We need those guys in there, you know, and that's how you yeah. get kids like Jannard Avery. That's how you get, you yeah, know, sure. a Denzel Ward and take a chance on him, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, Jeremy. Um, I sure. did. I did see that um, the Browns picked up uh, Dewan um, Hines off of uh, the Chargers um, uh, practice squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you comment on him? I I don't, I don't know. I, I I just started researching him to be honest. You know, a couple people I trust told me that it's a good pickup for the Browns for a depth depth purposes. You know, I talked to actually I talked with Nathan Zagura about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, he thought they had one too many defensive ends. And he actually nailed this. He said they'd probably evaluate him over the next couple of weeks and get rid of one of them, which is exactly what they did. I'm not even going to attempt his name, but it's a Brublier from Minnesota that they picked up off of waivers. The, you know, off okay. the beginning of the season. So yeah, then they yeah. kept they dumped they dropped him. They kept Zettler, who they picked up from uh, Detroit, and so now they've kind of evened out that defensive roster. 
So, hey, shout out to my guy, Nathan Zagura. I know he's might be <laughs> he's in a little bit of trouble right now, but he'll be back. And, yeah. Uh, but he nailed that. He told me, he literally told me when the season started that he thought he'd evaluate these guys for a few weeks, let whichever one they didn't like go and get another linebacker, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, old Nate got himself into a little bit of trouble on that. <laughs> uh, yelling at the refs, you know, you can't really do hey. that. Under- understand he's with the Browns, but you can't do that. Yeah, he's a passionate guy. I've had Nate on my show twice, actually. And Zagura, he's a great guy. He's a good dude. And he loves the Browns, man. And you know what? He made a mistake. He's paying for that mistake. He, but the guy's passionate. And trust me, the guy's passionate. And he cares as much about the Browns as anybody. I tell you what, I think we're all passionate about the Browns. I mean, e- e- even just the guys in the media, you can tell. Like, I follow a bunch of you guys on Twitter. And I see how passionate you guys are. You know, this has affected you guys as much as it has affected any of us just regular fans, you know. And to see what this team is doing and can become, you know, is just amazing. Um, one last thing. Um, what are your sure. thoughts on Antonio Callaway? I love him. That's, I was going to bring him up, actually. I, you know, I tweeted out in the first half of that game after he was open by five yards and Tyrod Taylor couldn't get him the ball, that if Tyrod Taylor can't make that throw, he can't play quarterback in the NFL. 31, you know, other, 31 other teams, that's a touchdown. That is as open as it gets in the NFL. You don't I, get any more open than that. All he had to do was lay it out there anywhere deeper enough. You know what I'm saying? He could have yeah, had the whole exactly. middle of the field to throw it to. You had all that area. You just put it out there. I'm not 100% sure you can overthrow Callaway. So no, he just you can't. <laughs> you know, so, and he, you know what the worst part about that was? He had the wind at his back at the time. He so did. He had, the, he had the wind with him, and he still underthrew it. So yes. that's a play. I mean, you know, I mean, hey, <laughs> Baker, man, I hate to get ahead of myself here, but Baker makes that throw. Oh, so without a doubt. I said, I said the same thing after that play, and I was literally screaming at my TV when that happened. And, yeah. you know, and, and Tyrod's, you know, reaction to that play just threw me off of him completely. You know, I was, you know, fully behind earlier in the season, you know, um, you know, letting Baker develop on the bench, you know, and letting Tyrod play because he has proven. But, you know, he's just proven – that, you know, he can't make those throws. And if Look, you're yeah. in the NFL, you got to make those throws. And when you have a guy like Antonio Callaway, who has absolutely elite speed, I mean, the guy is a first-round talent who was taken in the fourth round, fourth round because of character issues, you know. Let me, let me give you a quote from the Pittsburgh Steelers given to – it was either Schefter – it was someone from the – no, someone from the NFL Network. Steelers said they had him rated far and away their number one talent at the wide receiver position in this draft – but they wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. So talent-wise, he is a first-round talent. There's no doubt about it. Now he's showing if he can just stay clean, you know, like Todd Haley said in Hard Knocks, if Jarvis can take him under his wing and keep him on the field, the kid is going to be a player. Then you start going through this draft, and you're like, my goodness, you know. If you got Baker, you got your franchise quarterback, you got your shutdown corner, you got an all-star wide receiver possibly with Callaway, you got Jannard Avery, you start looking through this draft and it's like my goodness Austin Corbett I know everyone thinks Austin Corbett's a miss I'm not ready to call him that yet he's actually been playing and I, I tweeted this out because I saw some people bagging him he was in on the goal line packages on both the Hyde's touchdowns and on both of them he had a big block I actually watched they had the oh, they had the uh they had heavy right something called heavy whatever I'm gonna call the formation where they bring in an extra tackle and he had a huge block, and Hyde went right behind him on one of his touchdowns. So I'm not ready to call him. He could be the center of the future. I'm not ready to call him a bust yet. This draft could end up being the one that turned, you know, that we look back to and say, wow, that's what changed the franchise. Yeah, um, and, you know, you were saying about how uh, if a guy like Jarvis takes Callaway under his wing, you know, I think Jarvis has done that. It looks like he's done that. And then, you know, getting, yeah. a guy, 
getting a guy like Josh Gordon out the building, because let's just face it, it was time for Josh Gordon to go. Yep, and there was more breaking news today on NFL Network that said it wasn't that, you know, they didn't cut him over being late an hour. It was multiple late meetings just in the last few weeks. Yeah. Where he wasn't he, so. And, and you can't have that, you know. You when can't. You, you cannot when, have that. When you have backed this guy so many times, you know, it, uh, enough becomes enough eventually. And to, to get what we got from the Patriots out of him, I think is amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, you know what? Against the Browns, if uh, – if he ends up being a, a great player with the Patriots, because it, it wasn't going to happen here. The Browns no, been over it, backwards to help the guy for years and years and years. And then even the beginning of this year, after it looked like he was on track again, you know, he, uh, he, he goes to it, has his whatever, goes to get his mental health issues squared away in Florida, and then comes back and then this pulls this again. You would think at this point he would be grateful enough to just stay in line for a while, and he didn't. So it's clear he didn't want to be here. Sometimes you got to cut a man loose. Maybe he goes to New England and becomes a star. That's great. I'll, I won't even hold that against the Browns. It's just it wasn't going to happen here. You know what? I I, I have uh, personal battles with addiction, not myself, um, family members. Okay, so sure. I root for a guy like Josh Gordon. Because, Absolutely. I'm the because, exact same way. Because, you know, addiction is not something that's easy to get over. You know, it's an everyday process. It's not something that you just wake up and you're you're done with it. So, you know. I would love nothing more than to see Josh Josh Gordon succeed. It just like you said, it just wasn't going to happen in Cleveland, and it was time to cut bait. Um, back to your Corbett comments, real quick. I've been critical of the Browns' choice to go with an undrafted free agent who they didn't give reps to in the preseason at left tackle. Um, but... but I think I think I'm eating my words on that one a little bit. <laughs> Desmond graded out about a seventy this past week, and you know what? We haven't really heard his name much since the Steelers game. And, you know, a lot of the stuff in the Steelers game wasn't even his fault. So it looks like we might have found another diamond in the rough there. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if we come out of this offseason with our franchise quarterback, our shutdown corner, and our franchise left tackle? After Joe Thomas retired. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, so that just speaks to the talent evaluators in the Browns yeah. uh, front office, you know, to be able to go and pick mm-hmm. up a guy like that. And, and ironically, after he went undrafted, you know, that's another one. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. He probably would have went mid-rounds, but he also failed a drug test at the Combine. He tested positive for marijuana at the Combine. Um, you know, I don't know how much of his story you know, but he was a five-star recruit, went to Texas, got in trouble at Texas, didn't play football for two years. The guy's actually 24 years old. Didn't play football for two years. Came back in a small Division three school and absolutely dominated the last couple of years. I guess his college tape, according to Zagura, was so good that it's like he's a man playing with boys. So a lot NFL Network had, you know, I um, I can't remember his name. Now it's escaping me. But their one of their evaluators had him rated as a you know second third round pick and as an NFL starter. So and the guy's old. So that's probably part of the reason they felt better about. It. He's an older guy. He's more mature. He's been through some stuff, and he clearly has the physical talent. He ran a four seven five forty at 295 pounds that's crazy <laughs> that's absolutely insane people, right there's and, not a lot of those people on the planet and, but then he and then, but but when you fail a drug test after you got kicked out of texas at the combine teams are gonna a lot of teams are gonna uh a lot of teams are gonna just take you off their boards altogether yeah it's funny the re- only reason i knew about him was i was following some cincinnati Bengals because i follow the whole afc north just to prepare for my brown stuff and they wrote an article about how the team was was Hot, like hoping to sign him as an undrafted free agent the day after the draft, and he was like their number one target. So I, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And then boom, the Browns nab him up. So yeah, and you know what? If if you're the Browns, you have to hit on guys like that. You have to hit on an absolutely. Agent. You have to hit on you know diamonds in the rough like that. You know, because those are the guys 
that become eventually become cornerstones of your team and help you compete for years and years to come. Absolutely. You know, we have, it seems like it's been forever since we, the ball, you know, bounced our way a little bit and it looks like that might be changing boys. Oh, completely agree. Baker Mayfield looks like an absolute star and this defense looks elite. Yeah. Baker's making this whole team look good. Yep. Hey, I mean, you know, what's funny, you know how it feels like forever. The Browns, all the calls go against the Browns as far as officiating go. Yeah. Watch that. Watch that attitude charge to switch a little bit. Now that we got the guy that's the hot new star in the NFL, watch the NFL, you know, start to tilt the playing field a little towards us. Watch a couple of our games at the end of the season get uh, moved to the Sunday night flex to Sunday night. Watch. Oh, I've always, I've had, always had this conspiracy theory that the NFL wants certain franchises succeed. The ones with the guys that are box office, who is more box office right now than Baker Mayfield. Exactly. So I, I, you know what I mean? So I don't either intentionally, unintentionally, whatever. I always think the NFL tilts the playing field just a little bit towards its stars. So let's just see in these upcoming weeks, if it feels like maybe the, uh, the calls and the close calls in the game start going the Browns way a little bit more. Oh, I, oh, I, could, sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm with you too. That's like the Browns, like the Browns is an organization that's box office for the NFL right now coming off probably the best season of hard knocks. And we got one of the biggest stars as the first round pick first draft overall Baker Mayfield and all the other guys are stars. So yeah, I'm with you. Look for them to be on uh, prime time later in the years or games. Uh, here's a, here's a well, game I'll tell you. And it's a game I'm probably flying into if the Browns, and the Broncos game means anything December 15th. If the Browns are, you know, if those two teams are fighting for a playoff spot, watch that game get flexed. I got to tell you, Jeremy, the way this team is playing right now, I think we have a high ceiling of 10 wins. I, I would agree. I don't, you know, nine, I think eight, seven and one, nine, six and one. Yeah. Anything in that range, but you have to consider a huge success. Uh, uh, definitely. Um, and, you know, and you know, it's funny, you start, this is why I hate playing the schedule game before the season. Because before the season, you thought that Raiders game was going to be an incredibly tough game. Well, they're 0-3. You thought mm-hmm. the Texans game was going to be a, uh, a, a tough game. They're 0-3 and pointing fingers at each yeah. other. It, so it's just – the NFL is just so tough year to year to go through that schedule and pick out which games are going to be tough because the, there's so much parity in the league. That's why I try not to do it. So who knows? You know, in a couple of weeks, another guy gets hurt. Jimmy Grout just got carted off the field the last minute of the – Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So it's just the way the the nature of the league, you never know what's going to happen week to week. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I honestly, before um, this game happened between the Raiders and the Dolphins on Sunday, I got to say that I I think the Browns are going to beat the Raiders just because the Raiders defense is atrocious. They have no pass rush. Their secondary is absolutely terrible. I think Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway are going to attack it. And I think Baker Mayfield is going to have a field day in his first NFL start. Yep. And look, we just beat the Jets coming off a, a loss to who? The Dolphins. Exactly. The Raiders just, the Raiders just lost to the Dolphins. Let's go deja vu it up again here. We got a little bit of a theme <laughs> developing here. We're going to be playing <laughs> yeah. teams coming off of losses to the Dolphins. And the Dolphins. I mean, it's funny, too. I was looking through the Dolphins roster today. Like, how on earth are they 3-0? and My goodness. I, I, I was saying the same thing because I thought they were going to be atrocious. Where, I mean, you know, like Ryan where, Tannehill, come on. You know, I don't know if you saw that stat, but Ryan Tannehill is like one of the top four quarterbacks in the league over his last, like, 12 starts. Crazy, I, I, right? But he's been hurt so much and stuff that yeah. no one would know that. But when he's actually been healthy the last few seasons, he's actually been fantastic. Adam but Gaze still, is a quarterback guru. And still, mm-hmm. if you go through, though, and you look – through the roster, man, it's like, man, how's this team doing it? So, and I'm good. It's just, 
you know, today I think the Ravens ended up beating Denver pretty good. Denver beat the Raiders the other week. I don't think Denver is that great either. No. So, yeah. going to be a very – I mean, I hate – because I cause just because I'm a Browns fan, I hate to get too excited and let myself down. But, man, oh, man, it looks like a winnable game next week. And then we come back home 2-1-1 one, and one, to get the Ravens. Yeah, and, I, oh, I, made, I made a lot of people mad Thursday night after that Browns win. I, I was in a couple of – direct message chats on Twitters and I was <laughs> pumping my chest and, you know, and <laughs> some of them were uh, Bengals fans and I was basically telling them to screw, screw the Bengals, you know, and all that and how I'd rather be a fan of a Browns, a team that's lost for so many years than a team that constantly chokes in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. I mean, so, you know, I, I, I'm definitely uh, um, making some people angry. So, you know, but I don't, I don't really care because, we, you know, we've waited just too long for this. That's right, man. We're going to be – how when we get really good, how bad are we going to be? We're going to be the worst. We're going to be worse <laughs> than Patriots <laughs> oh, yeah. and Steelers fans. Oh, there, people are going to hate us so bad. Hey, we've got – we've been waiting 20 years for this. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Nobody deserves so. this more than we do. Yeah, I'm not going to – I will never shut up. I will not shut up. Not nope. a single day. Once we're good, good. And you know what? It's funny. Another thing I heard earlier this year, uh, uh, Kevin Colbert, I think it was the Steelers GM, said, he's like, I'm worried about the Browns going forward because they have so many players that were rated highly on our draft boards. He's like, eventually they're going to get good. Remember, yeah. there was well-documented the Steelers wanted uh, Peppers and Njoku. Those yep. were two of the top players on their draft board. The Browns actually traded in front of Pittsburgh. To take that's one of the reasons they trade up to get in Joku. I gotta tell you, I'm Pittsburgh a little concerned with him right now, though. Well, we'll see with, with Baker. Saying, you know, he had the nice catch on the ball at the scene with Baker. It seemed like a lot of times him and uh Tyrod weren't on the same page. There's a couple seam routes er, in the first two games where the balls were behind him. I'm a little concerned too, but out and see how he plays these next few weeks. Yeah, but, and, and how about that kicker? You know, since we want to talk about the Browns. <laughs> That's where I tell you what I think I'm suffering from post-traumatic kicking disorder. You know, <laughs> yeah. the place went nuts when he hit that first kick. And you know what's funny is the wind was swirling kind of funny at the time when he came in to kick that. I think it was on a 42-yarder. Yeah. And if you notice, he kicked it perfect, man. He played the wind perfect. And I don't know if you heard the guy talk. The guy's actually kind of swaggy in the kicker. Like he's got a lot of swag for a kicker. So yeah. I think you kind of, I think you kind of need that. Like I don't, that don't care attitude. I think Zane looks like he's a guy that kind of got. Lost in his own emotions there, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. maybe yep. worried. This guy looks, like, carefree. I think you kind of need that to be a kicker. And you know what? For John Dorsey to sign him over a known commodity exactly. like Cairo Santos, you know? And yeah, we, yeah. We, we were talking about it in our group chat, you know? We were like, you know, you know, people were like, oh, he had a 69.5%. That was uh, me. I, I, I'm the one who went and dug that stat up, and it got I, circulated all over. And, and you know what? I was like. Look, look, Zane Gonzalez was one of the best kickers in college and was right. horrible in the NFL. If John Dorsey is taking this guy over a known commodity like Kyra Who Santos, played for his team. Who played for him in Kansas City. Who played for him in Kansas City and only yeah. lost his job because Harrison Butker was amazing after he got hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to trust in Dorsey at this point. Right. It, exactly. You know what? Ever from now on, for the next at least six weeks, I'm going to go ahead and trust Dorsey. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think Dorsey it. could get a freaking statue at this point. <laughs> if they, I'll tell you what, they make the playoffs over the next couple of years. Oh my gosh, the guy already like fits in so well here with his sweaters and his. Oh know, my god, not, his sweaters <laughs> and his khaki shorts. Uh, and, and he's and, not a he's not exactly an eloquent speaker. You know, he's not a wordsmith. No, so he's he not. Fits, 
he fit right in the stadium on Sundays. I'll I mean, he, he was the perfect addition, you know, and I think I, I just exactly. I just think everything is finally hitting in the right direction for the Browns. Hey, guys, I had fun. I got to jump off here. You want right. any anytime you guys want me to come back, let me know. I'll jump back on for half an hour anytime. All, All right, right. Thanks, yeah, Jeremy. Love to have you down the road, Jeremy. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. You, you too. too. All right, Charles, uh, the Buckeyes had their last tune-up game of the season with Tulane this, this week, who they beat 42-6, to six, or 49-6, to six, um, as they prepared to head to Happy Valley this week for a big top-10 showdown. Uh, Buckeyes look great against Tulane, as everybody thought they would. Yeah, you know, um, Dwayne Haskins looked absolutely amazing. Um, he just, you know, ramped up his Heisman can campaign that much more i get that he, it was Tulane, but to have 304 yards in the first half and to throw 21 of 24 i believe it, what it was um with uh four, three three touchdown passes um i think were his stats you know um speaks to how elite this guy is at quarterback and you know people are going to know his name at the by the by the end of this year if not by the penn state game um you know and you know the defense actually looked really good um, in this game, they look like they're working through some things um, and they're starting to fix those things. And even we're, we're going to be without Nick Bosa for a while, but that that Rushman package still looks dangerous, even without a guy like Nick Bosa. Yeah, um, Haskins actually had five touchdown passes, 304 yards, five touchdown passes, 21 and 24 on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, he got the ball out. Um, he got it early to Paris Campbell, um, had two touchdowns. He got the ball to him early. And, um, you know, he just he's continues to spread the ball around. Paris had two touchdowns. Victor had a touchdown. Mack had a touchdown. McLaurin had a touchdown. So, he's, he's – Buckeyes are continuing to spread the ball around uh, against teams and continuing to be dangerous all over the field. And also, J.K. Dobbins had 11 carries for 55 yards, five yards of carry. DeMario, DeMario McCall had six and a half yards of carry. But, um, you know, these guys are getting the ball, spreading it around. There's a lot, a lot of weapons in the offense for the Buckeyes. Yeah, you know, and I want to hit on a couple of guys you just mentioned there. Uh, Paris Campbell had career highs in catches, yards, and uh, amount of touchdowns in the game. Eight receptions for 147 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Paris Campbell finally looks like he's catching his stride. Dwayne Haskins looks like the right quarterback to, you know, ramp up this guy's, you know, talent. You know, he's, he, I, I think he's a high-end second rounder at this point. You know, with his blazing speed, um, he showed good hands in that game. Um, and I think Paris, Paris Campbell is going to be a star going forward. I also think Paris Campbell has a bit of a chip on his shoulder um, from earlier when he wasn't included in the um, – it was somebody, it was some, somebody on Twitter who um, had the fastest college athletes, like the top five college athletes, and Paris Campbell wasn't even up there. And I believe he quote tweeted it, and I don't remember what he quote tweeted it with exactly, but I think that's put a chip on his shoulder this season. And I think we're going to see more games like that from Paris Campbell going forward. Um, that being said, um, Demario McCall was um, an interesting guy. You know, he was a highly touted recruit out of Ohio a couple of years ago. You know, he's kind of been pushed to the um, 
kind of been pushed to the back scene, you know, and, you know, hasn't really gotten much run, you know, but um, I think it's evident that this guy needs more playing time. You know, he, he looks like he's ready to play, you know, um, I think injuries kind of hurt this guy early and depth also kind of hurt this guy early and a guy like JK Dobbins emerging, you know, and I think um, he scored our only touchdown in the second half. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's, that's an indictment on his talent. You know, he, he has the talent to play. Um, and it looks like he's finally putting it together. That being said, my one gripe with this team this past Saturday was the fact that we only scored one touchdown in the second half. The fact that we were held scoreless all through the third quarter. This offense looks way too conservative when Tate Martell comes in. They don't look to drive the ball down the field as much. Um, they took their foot off the gas pedal. And you know what? Honestly, I don't like seeing that. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I noticed that too. They were up 42-6. to six. At halftime, and then I fully expected them to put maybe a 60 spot on them, you know, score two to three touchdowns in the second half because the guys they're bringing in are still better than the guys that have, you know, the guys on Tulane. Like, Tulane starters aren't as good as the guys Ohio State is bringing in as their second teamer. So I, I expected them to, you know, put a maybe 60 spot on them, but I don't know if they're holding back for next week or what they're doing, but yeah, I'm with you. It was a little bit conservative. Um, Tate Martell ran a little more conservative offense. He was 10 of 14 for 115 yards, but it wasn't very explosive or anything. So no, and nothing stood out. No, I, I expected Martell to, you know, have a couple touchdowns rushing, maybe a couple passing in the second half when he got in there because Tate Martell can play. Um, you know, he's a backup only because Dwayne Haskins is fantastic. Like, if Dwayne Haskins wasn't there and Tate Martell was starting, the Buckeyes would still be 4-0. I yeah, think. And, and let so, me correct myself. Tate Martell scored the Russian touchdown, not Demario McCall. Yes, and then – um, but, yeah, I, I, was, I was a little confused by that, but I don't know if they pulled it back for next week or what they were doing, just trying to get it over with. Um, you know, who knows, but, they, you know, they scored one touchdown in the second half, and I expected a lot more out of that, the backups in the second half. You know, just um, not trying to – not just being an outside looker, you know, I can't really do that because I am a, a fan. We Everybody knows that who's listened to this podcast. We all know I'm probably one of the biggest homers. Uh, but that being said, you know, I think the committee looks for stuff. I feel like the committee might look for stuff like that, you know, you know, us taking the foot off the gas pedal. But I also think that it, it probably was, honestly, just getting healthy – next week to be to go into a whiteout against Penn State completely healthy because obviously Dwayne Haskins is going to play that entire game. Um, and Penn State doesn't nearly look the top 10 team that they looked like with um, Saquon Barkley and Deshaun Hamilton and Mike Kosicki last year. Um, that, that They're a good team, but I don't think they're um, what their ranking suggests, you know, and I think um, Ohio State could definitely rip shred this team. Yeah, I, I don't know how good Penn State is. Um you know, Appalachian State took them to overtime. Um, they had to come back against Illinois on Friday night. So it's hard to – I don't know how good they are. Um, and I also, maybe what what led to that second half was they knew they have to be – Ohio State, I, in my mind, to make the playoff, because they're, they're going to win the Big Ten. They're the best team in the Big Ten by far and away. The Big Ten is struggling. And then with TCU getting beat by Texas um, on Saturday also – um, I don't know if they held back in the second half just to be healthy going forward. So they are undefeated. I think the only way they make the college football playoff, and this is going to be sad because I think they're one of the top four teams in the country, 
But I think the only way they make the playoff is if they go undefeated because the Big Ten, the Big Ten is just right now is just killing them. It's a it's atrocious. It, it it's is. atrocious. The, Rutgers is one and three, and they just got beat by Buffalo. Um, yeah, at home. I, they, I they, didn't just get, they didn't just get beat by Buffalo. They got pounded by Buffalo. Um, I got a, I got a feeling we're going to see Chris Ash back as a co- assistant coach for the Buckeyes after this year. Yeah, Rutgers is just the Rutgers is bad. Like you go through a high state schedule. There's you know Oregon State got beat. Uh, Rutgers got beat. TC, uh, TCU just got beat by Texas, which is the big TCU might end up with three or four losses um, and out of the top twenty five. So Ohio State may or may not, depending on what Penn State does, may or may not have a top twenty five win on their schedule. Um, I'm not sure how good Michigan State is. Michigan seems to be back, but they're beating, like, Western Michigan, and Nebraska's terrible. They beat up on Nebraska, so I don't know how good Michigan's going to be going forward. So they they have to. I think Urban Meyer understands, and, and going into his past, he understands this more than anybody, is they have to be undefeated and win the Big Ten and win the Big Ten convincingly to be in that college football playoff conversation. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a loss to um, maybe somebody like a Penn State um, or a TCUN or Michigan State, you know, wouldn't look as bad. I mean, because you got to look at Alabama's schedule last year. They they lost once. They lost to a good Auburn team, you know, and they still made the playoffs playing mostly a cupcake schedule. So um, at least a cupcake out of conference schedule, you know. So, um it might not matter, but I kind of agree with you. I think I really feel like that this team has to go undefeated in order to make the playoffs. Um, and I, I don't. I think with the way this offense is clicking under Ryan Day and Dwayne Haskins, I, I don't see that being foresee that being an issue. Um, you know, and the defense is starting to get better. You know, and to see the defense do as well as they did without Nick Bosa is amazing. I mean, we're really going to get tested next week against Penn State. That's where the real test is going to be. Um, Penn State is very young on defense. I think that's been a lot of their problem this year too. Um, but they have, they do have a veteran Trace McSorley at quarterback, so I expect them to be in this game. Um, that being said, I still expect the Buckeyes to come out on top. Um, and, but I, 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 I just really think that you know that they're going to get better, and that. This, this, like you said, this team has to go undefeated and if they want to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's just, I, Penn State's pretty good offensively, so I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, maybe both teams in the 30s, maybe one in the 40s, one in the 30s, something like that. But, um, you know, Haskins has been great against Oregon State, great against Rutgers, great against Tulane. He struggled out of the gate in the first half against TCU on the road in his first true road game. So it'll be, it'll be I wonder what... I, it would be interesting to see what Ryan Day has in store for him to get him rolling earlier against Penn State than he did against TCU because I don't they didn't score an offensive touchdown in the first half or the first quarter um, against TCU. So, you know, Ryan Day's got to get him in rhythm, get him uh, rolling early on the road in the whiteout against Penn State, or the Buckeyes could find themselves trailing by a touchdown or maybe 10 points before they know what hit him because T- or Penn State – is pretty is really good offensively. Their defense struggles. Um, they're young, like you said, but getting Dwayne Haskins rolling early will be paramount this week. Yeah, um, I think um, TCU's game plan very early threw us off for a little bit, and we de- they definitely had a lot more speed 
um, than I definitely gave them credit for. Um, and they were playing strong earlier. But the Buckeyes did what good teams do. They made adjustments in the second half and were able to beat it. Now, that being said, let's go back to how they how TCU just lost to Texas. I mean, honestly, I, I, I've been making this joke since about yesterday. You know, if uh, as long as we beat Maryland late, later in the year, we'll, we'll have beat the team that um, – beat the team that beat TCU. So, you know, on top of us already beating TCU. So, you know, I, I just, you know, if, if, if TCU loses a couple games, I look at it this way. As long as we continue to do what we do and we take care of business, we'll be fine going forward. Um, and I agree. I think this potentially could be a shootout. You know, um, Penn State has a, very, has a strong offense. You know, they have a veteran uh, three-year starter at quarterback. So they're not, they're not, they're nothing to joke with. And going to uh, Happy Valley is, not anything to sneeze at. No, they, um, a couple of years ago, the Buckeyes went there and beat them in overtime with uh, JT Barrett at the quarterback, and he was a established veteran at the time. So this will be a tough, tough environment for Dwayne Haskins to go into, and him getting—I believe him getting rolling early, uh, getting connections with Paris Campbell and KJ Hill, and guys early getting in his rhythm early um, is going to be paramount for the Buckeyes, where they could find themselves playing from behind and hopefully coming back in the fourth quarter, but you never want to have to play from behind uh, on the road against a team like Penn State. You know, I think with our running backs and Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins, we will be playing from ahead in this game. That being said, I like I said, I don't expect it to be a blowout. I expect us to be. Um, but um, so, you know, um, I think our I think our run game is really going to help us against Penn State, and like you said, I think we definitely need to get Dwayne Hassins going early, um, and to to get the ball out of his hands quick. We need to get it to our guys like KJ. We need to get it to Paris, and I think um, getting it to Austin Mack is paramount too. You know, we saw how the Buckeyes still um, stuck with him in that game against TCU, and then it ended up paying off in this game against Tulane. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna continue to pay off the way the Buckeyes stuck with him you know and this they this is an offense to be reckoned with yeah now that we're getting into the meat of the schedule um Buckeyes will be way better way more fun to watch um it's never fun to watch 49 to 6 I mean they're scoring touchdowns left and right but now we're getting into the Penn States we're getting into bigger Big Ten games uh down the road so Buckeyes are hitting their stride at the right time um this will be the start of this is a top 10 game. Game day is going to be there. Uh, Primetime game against one of the, uh, another perennial power and another blue blood power in college football in Penn State. So it's, it's just it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a game that everyone's going to be watching because, I mean, let's be honest. We think Ohio State's really good. We think Penn State's are really good, but we're not really sure. Um, we think they got, they got really good players, but we're not really sure how good of teams they are. So this is going to be a great game of two teams trying to prove themselves because their early season schedules have kind of fallen apart, if you will. And this will be the first like real test going into the big 10 of who this is probably your de facto big 10 championship game. Whoever wins this is going to the big 10 championship game and probably going to win it. Yeah. um, You know, this is college football, you know, you got to, you, you can't expect anything to go the way you think it's going to go because any second, you know, there's an upset in college football. I mean, look at ODU beating Virginia Tech the other yesterday too. So, you know, um, 
I definitely um, agree with that. I definitely think this is a de facto college football game. Um, if uh, TTUN keeps playing like they're playing, you know, I mean, I know they've been doing against um, teams that could prove to be a tough matchup, but I honestly don't think that we're going to have much trouble with them. But you never know because, like I said, this is college football, and you never you you can't expect things to go the way you want them to go. No, it's, you're 100% right. You're never coaching. Lou Holtz said a long time ago, you're never coaching the same team two weeks in a row. And that's because, you know, they're 18 to 22-year-old kids still. And who knows what's going on in their lives and that, that affects the game. So it's I'm looking forward to Saturday night. Um, it's going to be a great one. Uh, I mean, just the atmosphere at Penn State and the whiteout is going to be awesome. And, you know, going this is going to catapult. Whoever wins the game is going to catapult them into the driver's seat of the Big Ten East title. But, hey, great news from Cleveland. The Indians, Trevor Bauer started the game on Friday and actually pitched pretty well. Um, I mean, going forward, Charles, it's, that's that's fantastic news. Yeah, you know, to get him a week, uh, I think it's literally a week before the playoffs start, you know, is great news. Um, you know, he did look pretty good. Um, he did look like he was um, struggling to throw strikes a little bit. But I didn't see any – what I was looking for was if there was going to be any ill effects in his delivery, and it didn't look like there was. His delivery looked the same. Um, I think it's honestly it's just going to be getting back to the swing of things, you know, and um, he didn't really have any um, – they said in the broadcast, you know, that he didn't really have any rehab starts, you know, so that's why he, he pitched um, as short as he did, you know. Um, and I think moving forward, um, the Indians – are, are definitely a team to watch. Um, that being said, you know, um, Mike Clevenger the other night um, got his 200th strikeout, and the Indians became the uh, first team in MLB history to have four pitchers go over 200 strikeouts in the regular season. Give me your thoughts on that. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I saw a tweet also said Indians pitchers with 200 wins or 200 strikeouts, and it was like Bob Feller, Herb Score, um, Cliff Lee, CC Sabathia, um, I'm not even sure who the other guy was, but then it was like, and then four guys from the 2018, uh, starting rotation. I mean, that's, that's just awesome. That just goes to show what our starting rotation is capable of and what they do and having Mike Clevenger, you know, get his 200 strikeout along with Bauer. He had him. I mean, he's been hurt for a month. He had 200, well over 200 strikeouts a month ago. Um, he has 215 right now and he struck out one guy said. 214 strikeouts the last time he pitched, which was August 11th. Um, you know, Cl- uh, Car- of course, Corey Kluber and also Carlos Carlos Carrasco. And the last three guys I mentioned, if Bauer doesn't get hurt, Bauer probably wins the Cy Young Award. And the other, all three of those guys should be in the in the voting for the Cy Young Award as well as they pitched this year. But I mean, our starting rotation is—I'd put it up against those four guys. I'd put up against anybody in major leagues, and I'd take them every day of the week. Yeah, um, you know, um, like you're saying, can you imagine where Trevor's Bauer stats would be at right now if that freak injury to his ankle didn't happen? You know, his his strikeouts would be insane. He'd probably be the leading candidate for the Cy Young Award right now. Um, that being said, you know, we can't change the path, so we got to move forward. Um, you know, they, they definitely seem like um, they have him. It's, it's, I'm just glad that we have him back, you know, and um, guys like Josh Donaldson are completely healthy. Um, as you notice, you know, the dude – playing goal like he normally does um his bat is coming along you know 
And like you said, I would put the starting rotation up against any lineup in in the league right now. And it look and from what we're doing, we split we split the first two games to forward to the conclusion of this year. Um, that'll be interesting. Yeah, they play tonight on ESPN um, for the third game. This is going to be if we play Boston in a seven game playoff series. This is that's just going to be a a knockdown drag out heavyweight fight of a of a championship series. Um, right now we're going to play, I think we're going to play Houston in a division um, next week. So, I mean, it's just, it's, we're, we're right in the thick of things. Getting Trevor Bauer back is awesome. Now, whether they've been talking about putting him in the bullpen, I think we talked about this last week. Um, I'm good. I'm, you know, with our three main rotation of Carrasco, Kluber and Mike Clevenger and throw Shane Bieber in there as the fourth guy, if we need him to start. And then having Bauer as the long reliever guy, I'm good with that. Um, I think Bauer can give you two to three to four innings, maybe come in and throw the last four innings or five innings if they need them and just shut that shut it down for five innings and get us a win. So he's that type of guy. He throws a lot of pitches. He's throwing a lot of innings. And this injury he got may be um, a blessing in disguise because he was throwing a lot of innings this year, and he could – if, because he got the injury and missed a month of the season, he could have got the arm rest that he needs that he wasn't going to get if he would have been healthy. Yeah. Um, while I, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with that a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't think necessarily he needed the rest. You know, Trevor Bauer has never really had any arm problems throughout his career. Um, he does have the unorthodox way of warming up, you know, and I think that's why he's never had any problems because of his unorthodox way. Um, but I agree. I think definitely um, putting him in the um, bullpen, at least for the division series, wouldn't be a bad move. It'd actually be, be a pretty smart move just to get him back a little bit more back in the swing of things. You know, you don't want him, you know, making his first start since coming off the DL in the play um, in the division series when – um, he still hasn't caught his stride yet. So, you know, let him get his feet under him a little bit. You know, trust guys like Kluber, Carrasco, and Clavenger because all you have to do is win three games in this series. So, you know, if those three guys can get us a victory in a series against Houston, you know, then we're good to go. Um, and then then stick Bauer back into the rotation. In the yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. That that's, could be, you know, three games is not, not a lot. It just takes to get hot. As we found out last year, we were up two games of nothing. Needed one win, and the Yankees got hot and got us. So, um, it's you know, it's it's all you got to do in that three game series is get hot. Win three games in a row, and the series is over. You're on to the championship series. But um, yeah, it looks like we're going to play the Astros early. Um, they wrap up with the Red Sox tonight, and then um, go. Then, then the Yankees will play. It looks like the Athletics and the uh, Wild Card and the Red Sox will wait for that winner. So. We could get the Red Sox coming off the Yankees Red Sox um, series, which will take a lot out of them. So, and we you know, we've talked about this. Whoever comes out of the AL is going to be the, the prohibitive favorite for the World Series. And I, with our starting pitching and our bullpen slowly but surely coming around, we're figuring it out. Andrew Miller is coming back and in and out of the the bullpen, but when he's back, he's really good. So, I think with our pitching and our, and like you said, Josh Donaldson is back to 100%. He had a home run Friday night, uh, drove in a couple runs yesterday. So he's starting to hit his stride perfectly for the playoffs. Um, I like our chances against anybody, especially in that first five-game series. 
you know, into the division or the championship series where we can, you know, we can take care of business there and onto the World Series uh, where we'll be the favorite. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, you know, um, I just like I we we beat this like a dead horse, but you know, I just I just don't think anybody matches up with our rotation. I mean, Boston, yeah, while they're a very strong team, they've won over a hundred games. You know, I just don't think their rotation matches up quite to the level that the Indians' rotation is. I don't think anybody can match our rotation in this league, um, and I think that's finally going to um, be proven. Um, that's good. That's finally going to be proven when the Indians um, advance in this postseason. I really see them advancing all the way to the World Series again. You know, um, I think uh, third time's a charm. You know, um, and you know we're getting healthy at the right time. You know, most of the time we're we last couple of years we've had injuries at the wrong time. This time it seems like we're getting healthy at the right time, um, which is very positive for us. So you know, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to. Um, watching the Indians play yeah. are, for the rest of this me, year. Are you telling me that the city of Cleveland's luck is changing? Like, think about it. Like, two years ago, we go into the World Series or go into the playoffs, down two starters, 40% of our rotation. We end up going to seven games in a World Series and losing in extra innings, where if we'd have had one of those guys, we'd probably win the World Series. Then um, last year, we entered the playoffs. Obviously, Corey Kluber's injured. Um, so we don't get out of the division round. I mean, the Browns are now won a game, and everything in the whole city is changing. Are you te- are you telling me this is like the golden age of Cleveland sports right now? Everything is changing for the good. It's like anything Cleveland sports touches turns to gold. It's this is this is what it's like. This is freaking amazing, Charlie. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Um, you know, we think the Cavs broke the curse, and yeah, they broke the championship curse. But there was still a little bit of that lingering curse, and I think the Browns winning Thursday night just um, just finished off what needed to be finished, and that it, this is completely the golden age in Cleveland sports. You know, be ready, Cleveland, because we're going to do some special yeah, things think, this October. Like, if you think about it, 2016, Cavs won the NBA Finals, and, you know, LeBron can do what he wants. I mean, the guy, you know, go to L.A., have a great rest of your career, but, I mean, thank you for what you did to Cleveland. Because, really – I'm putting it. I'm giving it to LeBron. He turned this thing around. They brought the championship to Cleveland in '16. Indians go to the World Series same year. We go to seven games. We're gonna get beat in extra innings. Or if we had one of our hurt guys, Carrasco or Salazar, we probably win the World Series. But then now the Browns are getting are getting draft picks. Draft picks are working out. Miles Garrett's a top three pass rusher. Baker Mayfield looks like he's a bona fide starter in the league and all star, all pro quarterback. Um, and then the Cavs. The Cavs. You know. What I liked about what LeBron did when he was at the Cavs, like the Cavs were really good, but every time the Indians were in a big game, you, they showed that you saw the Cavs up in the, uh, you know, up in a box watching the game there with their Indian stuff on, waving their towels, what have you. And then I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but guess who was at the game on Thursday night? Was it Mr. LeBron James? J.R. Smith. So there's still like that's one thing, I, and I was telling. Um, okay. Shane, and he was on the pod a couple weeks ago. One thing that's great about this city is it's so close knit together that, um, you know, every time there's a big game in town, the other big sports are there rooting on their the other guy. You know what I'm saying? Rooting on the city, basically. This city is like fighting together for the Browns, fighting for the Cavs. The city and all these guys are going to games and 
cheering on the city. It's, it's all basically for the city, and that's what I love about these pro sports we have in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, yeah, I thought you were going to say LeBron James. I don't think he was at the game. But he was definitely just as happy as anybody, as any person right there in Cleveland when the Browns won. Um, it's cool to see him still support us like that. Um, and it's definitely cool to see guys like J.R. Smith, you know, still in, ingrain yeah. themselves to Cleveland, you know. Um, it just means that these guys are going to be – our Cleveland lifers, you know, they're, they're forever in our – they're forever going to be in our hearts, you know, and – We'll always love them, and as much as Jr. Smith makes us mad, we gotta admit that we still love. For the guy sure, for and, that, and for you us. know, he, after we won Thursday, guess what he did? Took off his shirt. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, for sure. But yeah, it's JR. gonna be exciting fall. The Indians start to work the playoffs next week. Uh, the Buckeyes are into the meat of their Big Ten schedule, and the Brownies are back. We're one, one, and one, looking to give our first winning record since I can't tell you the last time we had a winning record. Um, you know, we'll be two one and one and above five hundred. I mean, it's it's going to be it's great going forward. We got our guy quarterback now, and I'm excited. I'm excited for Cleveland sports this fall. So, all right, that doesn't right hear there from with you. at eighty eight sports uh, eighty eight problems in sports a one podcast. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday to preview the uh, give you a more in depth preview of the Buckeyes. And Penn State whiteout Saturday night. And also the Browns Raiders at Oakland on Sunday, seeing if we can get our first winning record since who knows. But here we go, Brownies.